Hello, I'm Paul Kitkat. And I'm Chalice Croke. This is the next podcast in our series, 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing and We Think You'll Find Useful to Know. We're recording these in our home studios, so we are socially distant, but mentally present. Uh, please excuse any stray noises you might hear, given the setup that we're using, or any oddness in the sound quality. Okay, enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Chalice. Good morning, Paul. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? I'm wonderful. And what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about how to win the pitch before the pitch. And can you explain why you've given this podcast this title? Sure. Um, Pitching is something that all creative businesses have to do, and we've done a lot of it. And over the years, we worked out a number of things. I'll come back to some of them in a bit more detail in a minute. But one of the things that we learned very early on was the best situation that you can be in in a pitch is that when you walk into the room for the final presentation, the actual pitch itself, you've got a, some people in there who have already decided they want to work with you. It would be nice if all of them felt that way, but for reasons we'll come back to, that's quite hard to achieve. So how do you do that? That's what this is all about. Right. So where do, where do you start? Okay, so it starts right from the moment you get an invitation to tender or whatever it is that initiates the process. It might be a, 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 a tender, it might be that you get contacted by an intermediary, it might be the client getting in touch directly. There's going to be some sort of written thing that happens and there's maybe going to be a chemistry meeting and some other meetings that may happen before the final pitch. Right from the very first contact, you're going to be in pitch mode. There's a film, Glengarry Glen Ross. I've seen it, yes. You will remember that Alec Baldwin plays a really obnoxious salesman in that. Always closing. A, B, C, <laughs> always be closing. Always right. be closing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He He's not a role model at all <laughs> for anyone. But what he's saying, if you say always be pitching, is... That would be true for the pitch process. I don't mean that you're always pitching when you're not in a pitch, but from the second it started, the the starting gun is the invitation to tender or whatever the thing is that signals there's a pitch on. From then on, you're always pitching. Okay? That's how right. you've got to think about it. From the moment that you start, you're pitching. Yes. Pitching to now, win. Pitching to win. Okay, so pitching to win is a good jumping off point. Now, we at the agency KitKat Nor Alexander Shaw, were, to begin with, we had no pitches. Then we started to get pitches and we, and we started winning them. And we won 18 or 19 in a row, which was amazing. Just unprecedented in my experience. And then we stopped winning. And what we did then was, because it's very unpleasant stop, we took a pause. We had a look at everything that we'd done in all the successful pitches. And we got everyone who'd been involved to contribute. And we worked out a pitch process that we called Winning Ways. And Winning Ways became a document that we we added to over the years. We changed a few things in the light of experience. But may, but the, the bones of it were right from the very start. That we'd given ourselves a process that talked about who would be on the pitch team, what their roles would be, what meetings we would have how we would contact the client, 
and so on and so forth. Mm. And we adopted it very as a very strict set of rules and we returned to winning. So that was great. And I know that other pe people who worked in the agency at the time have taken it on with them to their future jobs and they're now in senior positions in other agencies and I think they use winning ways too. I've been told that it's being used by quite a number of agencies. It's really successful. Mm. And we consult on um, winning ways. One of the aspects that has always um, stood out as being very useful to me as a client service person is the piece about communication, how you establish a rapport, particularly with a brand new client, um, without the opportunity to, because it can be really difficult to balance being enthusiastic with brown nosing. So do you want to talk to us about um, the communication piece within Winning Ways? Okay, so there are two things actually. One, you're, you're asking me about communication. There's another thing that I just wanted to touch on as well. One of the roles that we identify very early on is client friend. Mm. The client. Now we know that there are a couple of things about pitching. One is that people buy people, and they will. The client will appoint the people who they would. They feel they're going to enjoy working with. So. One of the things that you can do early on is create, is appoint someone to be the client friend. They get to know the client in a way that is not just formal and business-like, but a bit more than that. Because, you know, in the end, our relationships with our clients are, are not just business. They, are, they contain a personal element, right? Mm. So we want to foster that from an early, uh, for early on in the process. And that person will hear things from the client um, that maybe weren't in the brief because the brief is an is an imperfect document. It doesn't contain everything we need to know, mm. and sometimes it's misleading. The client friend can find out what else is going on, which means we can answer the client's needs better, and produce a better pitch. So there's that, and then I think what you're asking me about is a more formal kind of communication. Um, mm. One of the things that we started to do was create a newsletter yeah is that what yeah. you're asking me about yes yeah so this was um a thought that somebody had that said during the, the kind of most intense period of the pitch which is the three or four weeks leading up to the actual presentation wouldn't it be good if we sent on a weekly basis something to the prospect the client that talked about what we were doing Okay, mm. and you you can tell me what you remember about that because you were involved in the very first one. Yeah, I remember lots of um, people getting involved across the agency and I remember it being a really good opportunity to update the client on progress, but in mm. an informal manner, but also to give the client an insight into the energy and the tone of voice from the agency. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, yeah. So in other words, it it kind of communicated a little bit about what we were like as as people, yeah. right? Yeah, and also I remember allocating people outside of the pitch team to work on it, so they got um, a bigger breadth of energy. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember that too. So when it was first suggested that we would do that newsletter, I was a bit skeptical to say the least because I thought, okay, this is a lot more work. And the client hasn't really asked for it, so why would we be doing it? And, you know, people 
One of the questions that you've asked me in the past is how often you should communicate during this process, right? Mm, yes. The newsletter, the newsletter is one, but there are lots of other communications going on. And I, w I say some people are really needy and they, they feel like they need to communicate the whole time during that process. Others much more casual and would leave the client alone. And I, I what you want is somewhere in between, in the middle, mm. right? Yeah. So when I, when the newsletter idea first came up, I thought that sounds needy and a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But we did it. And you're right, it was given to people who weren't part of the core pitch team. So it didn't divert energy away from that. Mm. It gave much more of a sense of the, the fun we were having, which is actually, you know, pitching can become a terribly serious business, but it should be fun. Mm. Um, and, and so that was communicated in the newsletter. It involved more people across the agency, so the whole agency felt they were taking part in the pitch, which is great. Mm. That's really good because then, you know, when we come to either celebrate winning or, or drown our sorrows when we lose, everyone's in it together. There's a great sense of solidarity, which is wonderful. Mm. And we quite often had more junior people doing it, so they learnt a lot about pitching that they probably otherwise wouldn't have done. Mm. So that's on the agency side. The client, we were able to see because we sent it via email, we could see people were opening it yeah. and clicking through. And we, we gave them opportunities to click through from the newsletter to look at other work that we were doing for other clients. Right. Yeah. And of course, clients are, re it's very important for clients to see who your other clients are. It, it says a lot about you. You know, I, I've said in the past that an agency is defined by its clients. I don't think I'm alone in that. So, you know, when people outside the business say, oh, who do you work with? And you can say, oh, Waitrose and Lexus or whatever, which we had. They say, oh, right. Yeah, people I've heard of. And that's kind of that's helpful. Um, and for the clients, too. So they get to have a look at what else you're doing. I mean, uh, really informative. Also, it. Um, gives the agency an opportunity to see who else is engaging at the client end other than the client friend or the contact that you may be talking to most frequently. Yeah, quite right. I mean, it's good if other people are getting involved, and they do, they did, yeah. or they were reading the news. So I, I say I was wrong. It, it actually is a really good idea. Yeah, I remember. Okay. That's why I yeah. was interested in you talking about it. So... Okay. What's your thoughts on how much of the work you should reveal before you actually go to the pitch pool? And I ask you this because um, I have been in lots of chemistry meetings where mm. the client insists on seeing ideas. Yeah. And I recall um, when we worked together in your agency, there was a reluctance to share ideas. Why is that? All right. OK. Um, I've asked you two questions. I've asked you two questions there. Sorry. It's so all right. You, I will. What are your thoughts, and why were you reluctant to share too many ideas at the chemistry? Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. I can answer both. At a tish oh, sorry, I've got that wrong. So I've asked you two questions, in fact. Yeah. One is, what are your thoughts on how much work you should reveal, and the hmm. other is, why were you reluctant to share too much work prior to the pitch at meetings like tissue meetings? Okay. Yep. Great questions. Um, you do not want to show everything that you're doing in advance of the pitch because two reasons. One, 
the the people that you're talking to who you're hoping to win over before the pitch are probably not going to be the everyone who will eventually attend the final pitch right okay yeah so you're going to have to show a much bigger audience and you know ideally the client team in a pitch would be five or six people but i have been in pitches where there were unbelievably 27 clients were there chairs or are there enough chairs in that no they were in two rows it was ridiculous and and there is no way that you could have won over all 27 of them even if you'd known they were going to come it was like people walking past were just kind of coming in for the entertainment it's extraordinary so so the audience is not going to be completely full of the people who are uh, on your side and the second thing is so okay so the tissue meeting question i hate them i think they're a terrible idea because there are so many ways that they can go wrong okay one way they can go wrong is uh you drum up loads of ideas because the client wants to see loads of ideas you don't have complete confidence in all of them um, which is a mistake but you've brought them along because everyone's saying no no we need lots of ideas um the client then gloms onto one that you think is actually not the best they tell you that they'd like to see that developed and you think i'm only going to present one idea at the pitch and it's not going to be this one but now you're telling me you want me to develop it dreadful situation yeah am i going to have to present two ideas which i don't want to do or am i going to present this one which is the is not the best that's bad even worse the idea that you believe in thoroughly is absolutely right for some reason the client doesn't like at all um and so everyone loses faith in it and you're thinking i can't present this but it's right Mm. so there's that um, and, you know, maybe they're right and it is the wrong idea and I've made a mistake. Okay, that, of course, is possible. Um, so that that's another way it could go wrong. The other thing is, sometimes in a pitch, you come up with a really great idea very early on and you just know, this is the thing I want to talk about. Um, and so generating lots of random ideas around it is just a waste of time. Um, and you don't need to waste time when you've got so little of it anyway. And then the final thing is, If you all, you know, you kind of, you go into the tissue meeting, you push them towards the idea that you think is right, they actually get very excited about it and everything else. You then show up in the pitch and, yeah, you've developed it, but it's not new to them. Mm. They've already seen it. Mm. So where's the excitement? Mm. It's not as exciting. What you want, so the situation you want when you walk into the pitch room is this. You want to find friendly faces. You want the people who you've, who you who you've been talking to throughout to be feeling like yeah the this is the agency I want to work with you want them to be looking across at the people probably their boss mm. who hasn't met you and you and they pro, that you're hoping that they said something like I'm really excited about this lot pitching I think they're they're going to be the best and then they're going to be sitting there like you would if you'd recommended a film to someone and you're watching it with them and you're mm. thinking I really hope they like this and of course, the, what the agency then needs to do is have a real big reveal, hopefully of a fantastic strategic idea, and then an astonishing creative idea that none of them have seen before, but is knocks them out. You know, just they think it's wonderful. And the people who came into the room thinking they want to work with you are delighted because you've made them look good if they recommended you, and they've confer- you've confirmed that they were right to want you. And their bosses are thinking well done 
my team here at the client end, they've got the best work out of this agency. That's brilliant. Mm. Um, so, the, you know, it's all about that. It's about theatre. I mean, a pitch is a performance. And if you've already shown basically the, all the most exciting parts in advance, where's the excitement? Where's the drama? Yeah. So hold a lot back for the finale. Well, yeah. I mean... You know, you're going to talk to them about the numbers. Hopefully you won't be talking about that in the pitch too much because it's boring. You've talked to them about, you know, kind of practical stuff, Mm. blah, blah. But the Mm. two things they really want to know is that you've got an extraordinary insight into what they need to do and that you've then used that to create beautiful creative that is just marvellous, which, of course, they'll never run because we'll come back to that, what happens after a pitch in another <laughs> podcast but very rarely will they run it but they but you want them to feel so excited and thrilled and it's like yeah that's brilliant because it reflects well on them sure great so can you give us the key takeouts please paul all right so the key takeouts are number one from the minute the starting gun fired which is the very first contact it's like with an alien race okay first contact with the prospect you're pitching always be pitching Second, appoint a client friend who gets to know them in ways outside of the kind of business environment so we can really get to know who they are and start to build a rapport. Thirdly, the newsletter gives them a great insight into who you are and how you work, hopefully conveys excitement and dynamism and fun. uh, Fourth, I think, try and avoid any kind of tissue meeting or anything like that. And fifth... You build up on the big day to a position where you've got plenty of friends in the room, advocates, and then you can show them something totally marvellous and everyone will be pleased with themselves as well as with you. That's great. They're brilliant insights. Thank you very much, Paul. It's absolutely my pleasure. Lovely to talk to you this morning. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 168 Things We've Learned About Creative Marketing and We Think You'll Find Useful to Know is a series of podcasts created by Paul Kitkat and Chalice Krogh. Production was by William Kitkat, who also wrote the theme music. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. See you soon. Bye.